0: I'm excited to announce today the one who's come to preach and share God's Word with us. And this is special for us. We've been through an incredible year of all kinds of changes. And uh, we've been announcing those changes from uh, departing from Redemption Church and then launching into the Beloved Community family. We've had all kinds of ways we've got that information into your hands. But during that process, you could imagine... There's been all kinds of tensions and all kinds of struggles and all kinds of joys. And it, it's been a mixed, uh, a mixed ride, uh, if you will, of all kinds of things that we've experienced. But one great blessing to us has been the uh, opportunity that in that to discover that Flagstaff, Redemption Flagstaff was going to join us, Alhambra and South Phoenix in launching this beloved community family. And that has been just a great, a great source of comfort and joy to go, man, we're going to be able to launch into some of this collective ecclesiology and the family of God together. And during that time, uh, Anthony and and Flagstaff there, we really started to press into some. It's been a great joy to see what God is doing and bringing our lives together. Anthony, as you're going to see today, has a a unique gift to share God's word. And he's been a dear brother. One of the things that I love uh, about him is his great love for Jesus a real love for Jesus that comes out in, his, in, in the way that he worships and shares God's word, but he also partnered with an incredible love for the people of God. I've seen him cry over the things that God has uh, caused us that we should weep over, to see that when something breaks God's heart and see people in suffering, that he wants to see those things be made right. And to have laugh and joy and sharing of life together has been a great joy. So Alhambra Church family, as we move into this beloved, beloved community, we want to welcome a part of our family in Flagstaff. Anthony, if you could give him a hand.
1: Thank you, Alhambra beloved community. Good to be with you guys this morning. I'm really honored. I'm honored to be with you guys this morning. I, uh, you know, it's I, I truly am honored. It's like a little bit nerve-wracking to have a guest preacher because you're not sure what offensive thing you'll have to clean up after they <laughs> after they leave. And so uh you guys have such a, a beautiful community here. One thing I wanted to thank you guys is just thank you for being the church you are. So I'm I'm a millennial and millennials, we've really experienced a lot of uh turmoil in our faith in the in, in American Christianity, like uh, for some reason, our age range has questioned a lot about the American church has had a hard time. And I think it, it validly. So a lot of times with the American church. And so because I've been a church leader and a pastor for years now, like a lot of my friends who live here in Phoenix have come to me with, with their questions. And a lot of their questions are kind of like, where will I find a church that's like, the new Testament church, like where will I find a church that values these things that values the way of Jesus, these ways, and actually is willing to sacrifice in order to live it out. And so over the years, I've been so thankful for you guys, because when they've asked me these kinds of questions, I go, go to redemption, Alhambra, go to Alhambra, now beloved community, Alhambra or Alhambra beloved community. And, uh, and you'll see what you're looking for you'll see the Jesus that you read in the new Testament. And so I, honestly, guys, I'm not just saying that to, to butter you up or flatter you before I talk, but I am really thankful that the very least for my friends who are struggling in their faith are, and are looking for Jesus. I've been able to say, Hey, go to Alhambra. You will see the Jesus that is in scripture. So thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Um, you guys maybe don't know this, Dana and me, we were in seminary together, so I got to know Dana over four years very well. And then Aaron and Dana, they uh, they were part of hiring me into the position I'm I'm in now. So I used to be our, our small groups pastor, essentially, in Flagstaff, and then I became the lead pastor, and Aaron and Dana are in that process, and I, I really, through being at seminary and then also through this interview process, I realized... They're they're just so full of grace and truth. Like you guys have leaders that are so full of grace and truth. But I want to point out how Aaron, in particular, uh, in my interview process, was full of grace and truth. So, uh, you know, I, I got to tell you a little story before we get to that point. Um, I have this friend. His name is Christopher. Okay, Christopher. When I met Christopher, I met him on an like an Xbox headset. Okay, I don't I don't know if pastors are allowed to play video games, but I play video games. Okay, so. Uh, So I met, I was friends with his brother who lived in Flagstaff. And so I met him over the headset and I'll say this when I first heard his voice, you know, especially through audio on a headset, some of the weird parts are a little bit more pronounced. And so he, he just sounded like shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Okay. Like. I, he, shat, he sounded straight out of like Cheats and Chong, okay? Like he sounded like one of those kinds of people. And so I'm a little bit judgmental. And so when he got off the game and I was just playing with his brother who lived in Flagstaff, I said, I didn't know you, your brother smokes a lot of weed. And he goes, well, yeah, funny thing, he, he doesn't smoke weed at all. He just sounds like He does. All the time. Like, he just sounds like he does all the time. So then Christopher, he eventually moved to Flagstaff, and it was kind of this funny thing where I said, oh, man, I really thought you were a poet. And so we're talking through it. Me and Christopher are really good friends. And so now, but as we became friends, I put his uh, name in my phone. and got his phone number, finally. And when I put his name in my phone, I put it as Christopher 420 Duncan. Okay, that's how I put his name. And my, if you don't know 420, it's a reference, and so uh, that you should look up later. And so, so he's in my phone, Christopher 420 Duncan. Hold on to that little fact. Three to five years later, I'm sitting in an interview for the lead pastor position. <laughs> where Aaron and Dana, some others, are kind of asking me different questions to see if I'm a right fit for it. So I'm sitting at this interview around the table. My phone's on the table. It's face up, and it's face up in front of Aaron. And I noticed I was getting lots of texts all of a sudden out of nowhere. And then this is the moment where I realized Aaron was full of grace and truth. Aaron goes, hey, I don't mean to pry or eavesdrop on your texts, but you keep getting a lot of texts, and they're from someone named (laughs) Christopher420Duncan. can you tell me what that's about? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so I, I told him that little story. I said, hey, I, I told him all that. And so it was just a great moment. You know, a bad time, a bad time to get texts from someone in your phone named uh, something 420 is... When you're in an interview for a lead pastor position, okay, that's a bad time. But uh, uh, I tricked them and they believed my story that I just told you guys, and they still let me become the lead pastor. So I, uh, you guys have leaders full of grace and truth. I really think that uh, part of why we, as Flagstaff, said, "Hey, we want to go without Hammer, we want to go without uh, South Phoenix," is we just realized one of the fundamental things that we all believe is that church is a family. Like, this is one of our chief identities. And I think that that, among many other reasons, like Aaron mentioned, were part of why we realized, hey, let's try to do this thing together. But especially that idea of being a family rather than just an institution. Now, we have institutional realities. That's totally great. But what the identity that God gives us in Scripture is that the people of God are the family of God. And so we're excited to be with you guys and partner with you guys and figure out this thing together, what this collective ecclesiology could be, because we see church as a family too. And we've we've noticed how you guys are just, you're a joyful family. You're a convicted family. You're a missional family. You're convicted to the point I've noticed from interacting with you guys at different times over the years. You're convicted enough to go, hey, this is what scripture says we should be. We're going to be it, even if it's not convenient. Yeah for our culture. And so I, I've been so happy to to be partnering with you guys and figuring this out with you guys. Flagstaff is a weird city. I don't know if you know that. I grew up in Phoenix. Moving to Flagstaff, I was like, this is like a different state. This is a different place. Like it just feels really different and because it feels really different we began to go okay how we do ministry needs to be different and we began to realize we have to dive more deeply into the core truths of who we are and one of those truths is being the family of God and so I'm super thankful that for you guys who are also doing that in Phoenix going hey how do we be the family of God how, how do we dive deeper into that core truth and so and so that's helped us to go hey Alhambra is a church that is part of our family too and we're part of their family and it's this beautiful thing that God does and I love both of our churches because I I can tell stories with 420 and not get booed off the stage okay so I'm thankful for you guys will you guys pray with me I know we already prayed I like to pray a lot and so pray with me and then we're going to talk about this idea of the beloved community being a gift to others let's pray genuinely pray with me God thank you uh, for this time together. Thank you for this time as the family of God to gather and to worship and to praise your name, God. As we get into your word and as we get into this idea of being a gift to others, I, I pray that whatever I say, God, is what you would say to the room. I pray that uh, that I speak well if you want me to speak well. I, I pray that whatever sorts of things are going on in us, God, in our hearts and our minds, uh, that you would uh, let your spirit pierce through those things so that we would hear from you and and know you more today through this. And so God, we, we love you. We need you. Um, help us to recognize you in our midst this morning. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right. So at the, at the start of creation, it seems like God created all humans to be a gift to one another. Like, He created humans from the start to love each other, to care for each other, to serve one another. When Jesus returns, I think we're we're going to be people that care for one another, serve one another, love one another. That idea of us being created to be a gift to each other seems to be how God made humanity at the start of creation. And then sin entered the world. And now humans, we at our best, we're gifts to one another. At our best, we're, we are gifts to one another. But unfortunately, often we're not at our best. And so because of sin, often we as humans, we don't look to be gifts to one another, but we just look to take from each other. Take and take from each other. Sin has this effect of making us inward focused, selfish. And early on as soon as sin entered into the world and warped humans this way, God declared he was on a mission. He was on a mission to stomp that serpent's head to get all evil out of creation. And so as God is on this mission, he's letting us know that he's going to eradicate sin so we can be restored to who we are, that, and that God's on this mission to restore all things. He uh, talks to someone, this guy Abraham, about this idea I think in part of, of humans being a gift to one another, right. right? But how he says to Abraham, he says, I will bless you and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. I think echoing this idea that humans are, we always made to be a gift to one another. And so part of God's mission in the world is to restore humans back to their state of being blessings to one another or gifts to one another. And so how God does this, he he makes one person, Abraham, a blessing, and that guy turns into a family that's supposed to be a blessing, and they turn into a nation that's supposed to be a blessing, and then what happens is they all fail at it. And God says, okay, I gotta send the ultimate blessing through that man, through that family, through that nation. And we know the ultimate blessing is Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so Jesus comes along to continue God's mission. He's a blessing from God. He's God in the flesh. And, as, and when Jesus comes along, he continues this mission of like restoring people back to be a blessing to one another. Amen. First, he takes this group of people and he lets them know that his work in the world is ma- making it so that they're actually family. Not just people, not just part of, part of the same nation, but that, that something about what Jesus was doing and bringing the kingdom, dying on the cross and resurrecting was making them family. Yeah. Yeah. Not only family, like eventually they even say, like, this whole people, we're not just a family, we're a nation of priests. Yeah. This idea that every single person that follows Jesus has this ability to help people see God, know God, find God. There's this idea, it just seems to me baked into it that the people of God were made to be a blessing, made to be a gift. And so our job as the church is not that different from Abraham's job. We are to be a blessing to bless the nations. We're called to bring about the blessing of God, bring the blessing of God to the world uh, by by telling the world about Jesus and living like Jesus. So that means for us, beloved community, that means a fundamental part of our identity as the church, as the people of God, as the beloved community, is to be a gift to the world, to be a blessing to the world, to be a gift to Alhambra, to be a gift to Phoenix to be a gift to flagstaff when you visit the bible the bible it really opens up it really opens up for us when we realize that i think this is the central theme of the bible is the theme of god's mission to restore all things when you begin to see that the whole bible is a witness and a testament to this idea that god is on a mission to restore all things the bible really opens up for you which, by the way, God's mission to restore all things. As He's restoring all things, this is how He blesses the world. Through His mission of restoring all things. And what's wild about God's mission to restore all things is, to me, it's wild, He uses humans to do it. Like, uh, if I can have a face to face with God, I grew up in the church. So I would say, hey, I don't know. If Humans were the best, like I. There's got to be another way for you to do that. I don't know if humans were the best way to do it. Maybe, maybe angels. I don't know. And God would probably say, Listen, uh, there was this one angel that went a little rogue, and like He would probably say, That's uh, well, trust me, Anthony. I, I don't know. I don't know why God uh, has picked us to live out His mission of restoration and being a blessing to the nations, but He has. And that means that we, as a church, we have to ask ourselves, how can we be a gift to others? Us being a gift to others is living out the mission of God. So here's what I want to do the rest of the sermon. I just want to talk about how when we participate in God's mission to restore all things, which means we are a gift or a blessing, or when, we, when we try to live that out, we have to know three things. There's three things we have to know as we try to live out this identity of being a gift to others, okay? I've stolen these three things from a famous theologian, a semi-famous theologian named Christopher Wright, okay? So I just want to give him credit so I don't plagiarize, all right? So uh, here's the three things that we have to know if we're going to live out this idea of being a gift to others or living out God's mission. The first thing is it's going to take the whole church, It's going to take the whole beloved community. The second thing is it will involve holistic, restorative work. And the third thing is it involves the whole of life. Okay, I'm going to talk about each one of those one at a time. So, So if the beloved community is going to be a gift to others, it's going to take the whole church being involved. God's mission of restoration and kingdom building involves the whole church, not just the leaders, not just the all-star Christians, not just the perfect, but it involves the whole church. God, he hasn't made his family full of like the rock star Christians that do everything and then everybody else. We might think that, especially when we have amazing rock star Christians around us, but that's not how God made it. God also, he hasn't made this kind of family where every single person in the family all has all of the gifts of God to use. He's actually made a family that has all of the gifts in it, but not no one person has all of those gifts. So as we live out the works of God, we need the whole family of God so we could see all of the gifts of God. He's called us to do a lot of the same work, but he's gifted us very differently in all kinds of ways. I think churches are often unhealthy when they only rely on a small group of people to use their gifts. If the beloved community is going to be a gift to others, we have to realize that every single person in this room is part of how God wants to be a gift to others. I love you guys because I've noticed this about you guys from, uh, from afar. You guys embody an all hands on deck mentality, right? Like, you go, that's important. We need, that's like part of, that's why I think you guys are so good at mission. I think that's why you're so good at understanding this idea of being a gift to others because you go, guys go, all of us are part of this. All of us need to be part of this. You see this yesterday with Affordable Christmas. Don't lose that part of your identity. Because that is part of God's very plan to reach the world and to use you guys as a gift for others. We need everybody. We need everybody. We need the whole church to be a gift, to to live out this idea of being a gift to others. So here's how it looks for me. I work with one other full-time pastor up in Flagstaff, and we're pretty different personality-wise. I don't know if you can tell. I'm a bit on the nerdy side, okay? So... As soon as I became lead pastor and five staff, also in staff all of a sudden, large nerd contingent at our church. It hurt my feelings, but I said, this is who I am. So this, this makes sense. Lots of, I just connect well. We, we have the same loves. And so uh, my other pastor, Kyle, he's, he is cool. Like, he is just cool. Like, when I met him, I'm like, you're either a wizard or you're a really cool guy. Like, that's just what he looks like. like. He just looks... He's just really cool. And then, as I got to know him more, I'm like, no, he actually is cool. Like, he was a professional youth skier. And he he's, like... He has, like, the stereotypical man stuff. Like, he knows how to fix things or whatever. He's strong. Like, and so... So I'll, I'll be honest, the more stereotypical men in our church of Flagstaff, they don't always connect well with me, okay? They kind of go, I'm not sure about this Anthony guy, right? And, uh, but as soon as Kyle came along and he has his different giftings and things he's good at, I watched those kind of more stereotypical men go like, oh, this is, this is a great guy. I can listen to this guy. Like, I can listen to him because he knows how to fix something like I know how to fix something. And I just go, listen, if you, if you knew Pokemon as well as I would, you'd be impressed with me too. Like OK? Jesus- Louise, we all have different aptitudes, okay? Sorry. Uh, but what I've loved about that dynamic is I can't reach those people in our church and in our community, even, very well without Kyle. Like I need Kyle. He helps me. He also helps me fix my car sometimes. It's, a, it's amazing. I don't bring a lot to the table, right? But he does. And so, but that's that's God's vision. He wants to use each of you. There are things some of you are good at and others are not good at and vice versa. And God wants to use that whole family of God using all of their gifts in order to serve and reach the city and be a gift to this city. God's mission involves the whole church, not just some of the church, okay? All right, let's look at the second idea this idea of how being a gift to others involves holistic, restorative work. So when I say holistic restorative work, I mean work that thinks about all of the needs of a person, all of the needs of a person, or all of the needs of a community. So humans, because of sin in this world, we, we need restoration with our relationship with God, but we need it with each other, and we need it with creation itself, and i would say we even need it with how we relate to to ourselves and often in the american church we've gotten stuck only thinking about someone's soul which often gets us only into that first realm of restoration, where we're, we're only working on somebody's relationship with God, as important as that is, as needed, as crucial as that is. Sometimes we're only, got, we're only in that area of restorative work as the American church. But if we want to be a gift to those outside this room, we have to do holistic restorative work, not just soul work. By the way, good theology realizes that human and soul are not meant to be separated. They're parts of the same thing. They're parts of the same. A true human is a soul and a body. The soul affects the body and the body affects the soul. That's how God moves. And because of all that, in the New Testament, we see that God himself invites his family to be involved in holistic, restorative work. And we see that God himself says he's about holistic restorative work. Here, I I want three quick examples in case you don't believe me. Three quick quick examples. In James 2, when James is just kind of talking about how the church needs to carry itself around each other, he makes special note to say, listen, if someone is in your midst and they don't have clothing and they don't have food, don't just say, hey, be well. Make sure they get food. Make sure they get clothing. And he even says, he says, you're almost like spiritually dead if you don't do that. We need to pay attention that God invites us into holistic restorative work. If someone has any sort of need, we as Christians are to pay attention, food, clothing, and soul. Okay. Uh, A second example where we see, I think God just being all about holistic restorative work. This is my favorite uh, uh, of how I see it in scripture, at least. In one of the many places you see it, it's how Jesus introduces himself in the first three gospels. There's a kind of this scene, and the, the gospels kind of take different angles on the start of Jesus' ministry. These aren't contradictions. They're just showing us different things that Jesus did at the start of his ministry. And it's interesting to see how they announce Jesus' ministry. In Matthew and Mark, how Jesus' ministry gets announced is he says, "Repent." for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, for the kingdom of God is close, it's near. That's how Matthew and Mark introduced Jesus and his ministry, essentially. In Luke chapter 4, it's very interesting how Jesus announces his ministry. It's a bit different than those two. The Chosen has an amazing scene of this. Jesus gets up, He gets in the temple. He opens up the scroll to Isaiah and he reads through Isaiah. And this is how Jesus says, this is what I'm about. This is what I'm here to do. Let me read it. It's in uh, Luke 4, 18 and 19. Here's what Jesus says. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In Matthew and Mark, it's a seemingly spiritual message Jesus is giving. In Luke, Jesus is giving a physical and spiritual message. He's saying that his work that he's doing is holistic, restorative work. Part of why we know it's not just a spiritual message Jesus is giving after he reads Isaiah is because he goes out and he literally does those things. Yeah. Yeah. He heals people. He re- helps them see again. He, he helps the vulnerable. He like does all of these things literally for people's literal physical bodies. The way that Jesus himself declares his ministry is Holistically. Holistic, restorative work, not just soul work. Jesus doesn't simply preach the gospel of the kingdom. He does kingdom works. Both are part of what Jesus does and invites us into. Okay, third example. Third quick example to show that scripture is about holistic, restorative work. Uh, Jesus, at one point in Luke chapter 10, he sends out 72 of his disciples, 72 of his followers. He sends them out and essentially is like, go do what I've been doing all over the place. You you can see that Jesus is preparing them for the day when he ascends into heaven. You go out, go just do what I'm doing. And here's in verse eight, we actually get uh, some some of his specific commands to them. He gives them a handful of commands, but verse eight encompasses three very specific commands he gives to that group. Here's what he says. He says, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you, Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So, Jesus, when he sends people out to, be, to go do the sort of work that he's been doing, he says, eat with people, heal people's sicknesses, heal their bodies, and tell them that the kingdom of God has arrived in Jesus. Two-thirds of those commands have to deal with the physical person in some way. Jesus is about holistic restorative work. He does holistic restorative work. That's what his ministry was marked by. That's what it looks like. If we are to be a gift to the world, we need to do holistic restorative work. Right. Paying attention to both the physical and spiritual of needs of those we encounter. That's, right. That's what King Jesus is calling us to. I love, again, how Christopher Wright puts it. He, he says there should be at least five marks to our participation as Christians in the mission of God. He says five marks. Here are the five marks he has. Uh, and there are no particular order for him. He says one and two is like teaching and preaching or evangelizing that builds up the church family. Number three, he says, is compassion and love and care of our neighbor. Four is seeking justice in order to serve and love society. And five is taking care of creation itself. Here's what I've noticed. Most American churches either do one and two, or they do three and four. And then they often fight about it. But what we see in scripture is people doing one, two, three, and four. We're called to holistic restorative work, not to fight about which work is best. If we want to live into the fullness, thank you for that clap, I don't get those in Flagstaff. One or, once or twice most ever. If we want to live into the fullness of what God has for us, we have to do holistic, restorative work. It includes all of those marks that Christopher points out. We teach about Jesus, we preach about his kingdom, we love our neighbor meeting their needs. And we even seek justice on behalf of our neighbor, serving society by letting love flow through society itself as we seek justice. I love you guys because you guys have eyes for the vulnerable. You have eyes for the vulnerable because I think you live out these marks of God's mission. You get what it means to be a gift to the world. You say, I've got to live out this one through five call. Like, I can't just do some of it. I might be more gifted at some of it, so I'll do those parts. But we're all called to all of it. God is calling the beloved community to be a gift by participating in holistic, restorative work. Okay? One more truth. One more truth about God's mission. We need to hear if we're going to be a gift to others. Uh, God's, God using you to be a gift as, uh, to others will involve the whole of life or all of life, as we've been apt to say here. Too often in the American church, we convince ourselves that only certain things are the God work. Only certain things are the holy work. And everything else, else eh, is just nice. It's just nice work. But when God makes us his kingdom citizens, Not everything we do can be kingdom work. Everything we do can display the kingdom. Every part of your life can display the kingdom. Your job, how you live life, what you do with your life, it can display the kingdom. Take work. Take how you work. Take your job, for instance. A lot of times, uh, American Christians, they go, I just have a job so I can evangelize to the people I work with which I'm actually thankful for Christians like that because that's how my dad got saved. Is somebody at his work called him to, like said, you need to come back to Jesus. You need to believe the gospel. And that ended up saving my dad and saving our family. So I'm not saying that's bad. I think that's really good. But what I am trying to say is this, is the work you do, the actual work itself, can participate and does participate in God's mission of restoration in God's mission of making you a gift to the world. Take an electrician, for instance. There's a guy in our church, he's a great electrician, so I, I love thinking through his work in this lens. His work that he does literally makes it so like we can have light in our house whenever we want. His work makes it so we have a refrigerator that works and can store food, and our food will last longer. The electrician's work reminds us that, that God doesn't want humans to live in a place without light or where food perishes. That's what His Word does. It points to that fact. One day that will be here in fullness. We will have food that doesn't go bad, and Jesus Himself will be our light. The electrician's work now not only points to that, but does the active work of caring and being a gift of that. Your work, whatever it is, can participate in the mission that God has for this world. And part of his mission is to make you a gift to others. So your very work does that. But I I also want to be clear, it's not just our work that does that. It's not just our work. It's any part of our life. It can be any part of our life that participates in the mission of God to make us gifts to others. Uh, Take the idea of, of being a good friend. Just being a good friend to somebody. This is not something often when someone's like, hey, how, how God, how's God using you? What is God doing in here? What's some good God work for you to do? Someone, it's rare someone's going, well, I'm a friend to this person. But I would contend that being a friend to someone is a way to point to God and him and participate in his restorative work. Think about friendship. like uh, When we are a good friend to someone... It helps them to know that God created them for eternal friendship. He created them for an eternal friendship with Him and an eternal friendship with others. When when God comes back, we're all living together. We're going to be good friends to one another. And we're going to be friends with God. Being a good friend points to that fact, proclaims that fact. The world and the devil, they want you lonely. But that's not the way of God. So when you are just simply a good friend to someone, it participates in the mission of God. How beautiful is a good friendship in pointing to who God is? Too often we, we forget just a thing like friendship, just a normal average thing like friendship points to God and his mission. It takes the totality of our lives, all of life, to live out being a gift to others. Beloved community, right now, God is on a mission to restore all things. One day he's going to come and he's going to restore everything completely. But until then, part of his mission plan is to use us. Some theologians say this, and I agree with them. He says, not only does God use us for his mission, God partners with us for his mission to do this restorative work. If God is partnering with us, that's why we can say that we are called to be a gift to the world. But to be that gift, we have to realize it's going to take all of us if we're going to do it well. It's going to take holistic restorative work, and it's going to take us opening up every area of our lives for God's mission. May we be that people. May we be that gift. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for telling us what you're about. Thank you for inviting us into it. It's a, it, it is really astounding to me, God. As, as, as much, God, as I joked about correcting you on that, it's astounding to me that you would love us enough to invite us into that. We get a glimpse of you and understanding you when we participate in that. God, thank you for your kindness to us, your graciousness to us. Thank you for even in how we live life is how we get to see you and know you. God, I ask that you would uh, put a special anointing on the beloved community to, to, to be a gift to the world. That this is not just something we talk about on Sundays, but this is something we do Monday through Saturday. That we see that this is a fundamental part of our identity. Holy Spirit, we need you to do it because this kind of work is tiring and frustrating and takes perseverance. So God, please help us with that endeavor. And please, God, let your love and the gospel be so real to us that it is not hard for us to live this way. God, we love you and we need you. May we be a gift to others. Amen.